Welcome to the Marketing Trust Podcast. I am your host, Adam Buchanan. I believe trust must exist before a transaction can take place. I give marketers the tools they need to infuse more trust in their marketing to help grow their business. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Trust Podcast. This is your host, Adam Buchanan. This is episode 13. I want to give you a big thank you for those that have subscribed and have been with me since the beginning, or if you're just joining us, thank you for listening to the Marketing Trust Podcast. It's been really fun putting this together. I'm having a good time. Hopefully, this is providing value to you and your business, and I appreciate a review or rating on iTunes. Always helps. So if you like what you're hearing, please drop in and give a review. That'd be great. Also, if you want to join the Facebook group, it's on Facebook, if you search Marketing Trust Podcast, you'll see me in the red glasses and I'll give you an approval. You can join other marketers who are maybe in the same situation that you can network with, learn from, and share your experiences with. Little bit of updates here. At the end of this month, on May 24th, you can join me for a live event with IBM. I'll be speaking with Jennifer Tattenbaum. I got to meet with her at the IBM Think event uh, earlier this year. She's with the Schubert Organization. The event is called Delivering Great Customer Experiences with Broadway's Batphone. Kind of a mouthful there. Uh, you can register for the event. I'll be sharing the link on LinkedIn and Facebook. And a funny story about the Batphone comment. Halfway through the interview with her, I'd made a comment about a Batphone, and we kind of riffed off it for a while. And then IBM ended up naming the live event about a Batphone. So kind of funny backstory there. At the end of this month, I'm really excited to offer the Marketing Trust Workshop. This is happening on May 22nd in Logan, Utah, and I'll be meeting with local businesses. If you're in the area, love to connect with you and get you in on that workshop. Let me know by dropping me an email at adam at adamcbcan, and I'll get you to the right people. Really excited to introduce our guest today, Mr. Adam Barker. He's got a great first name, just like mine. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I, I love your name. I love your hair, too, you know? Like, you can tell that, you know, maybe I, by default or not. I've I got really short hair as well. So, yeah, nice choice there, guy. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Well, uh, Mr. Adam Barker, I've known him Quite a while. I mean, we we go kind of way back. I think even back to my Columbia sportswear days, many many moons ago. Um, and then, when was the first time we met in person? Was it Vegas? Gosh, I don't even remember. Vegas is always pretty hazy, right? Um, but uh, it had to be at, maybe it was outdoor retailer or iCast or IFTV, one of the one of the outdoor trade shows, and they all just kind of blur into one giant mess of walking miles in 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 under fluorescent light and breathing recycle air. So it was one of those. It was one of those. One of those outdoor retailer show acronym shows. That's right. Yes, sir. That's, That's right. right. Well I've been following Adam Barker. He is a professional photographer specifically to the outdoor industry. Really good friend of mine. I've followed him for a long time. He is probably one of the most talented photographers I've been in touch with and, and followed along on his journey. And, and I don't say that lightly. There's a lot of photographers out there. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, push out photography and, and do this. But Adam is unique in the sense of I, I feel like he's very traditional, very skilled in his craft. He's one of those that wakes up early and stays out late. 
to capture the shot. Is that a fair overview, Adam? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I am kind of traditional, right? And that's actually pretty, pretty interesting. And I don't, I don't really want to say that in a, in a bad sense, so to speak, but I have always appreciated a traditional approach to photography. And I feel like I kind of found my, my style early on as somebody that, and I don't want to say I'm not an innovator, um, so to speak, but you know, I'm a photographer's photographer. I love uh, fantastic composition and engaging subject matter. And most importantly, I love early and late light. And so, you know, sometimes I think I'm probably a little, as a true artist and a true photographer, I'm probably at times a little too concerned with uh, maybe the technical and creative side of things. Um, but that, that has really helped me in my journey and in my career is just kind of very, very nitpicky and, and, in the end, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're producing, I want to be proud to put my name behind it. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And I, again, just can't say enough, but we have plenty more to say, and that's what this interview is all about. Excited to have you on the Marketing Trust. First, I want to get started on how did you get started in photography, Adam? Yeah, you know, so I, it's not like I, I picked up a camera um, and thought, this is my, my destiny or my, my density as George McFly once said, um, great movie on back to the future, by the way. Uh, but I, you know, I, my only formal training, um, was a black and white film photography class in high school, went to Highland high school in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, way back in the day. And, and I enjoyed it. Um, but it wasn't like, Oh, this is what I meant to do. I, I kind of, started working at it a little bit more. And as I went through college, I kind of gained an affection and I think realized that there was maybe a skill set or a talent there. And ultimately, um, you know, I had, I graduated from the university of Utah with a major in communications and an emphasis in public relations. So I worked in PR in the ski industry for about five years. Skiing has always been a huge, huge part of my life and kind of, um, one of my, my greatest loves don't my wife already knows. So actually it's totally fine. You can tell her. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, as I was working in PR in the ski industry, I, I started shooting quite a bit more. I kind of established a business on the side. I utilized a lot of the network that I had created there, both from a media standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, a lot of the contacts at the resorts and some of the outdoor brands that I had been exposed to. And, and finally in 2008, I jumped off to do it full time and, and kind of have never been, never looked back. It's been a, it's been a wild ride, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed anything really, you know? So yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the cliff's notes. That's the nutshell really. <clears throat> I'm a little freaked out right now because you and I both went to the same college and we graduated in the same field, same major. And both more or less, you probably more, me probably less, worked in the ski industry. Really? Yeah, I, dude. This is super meta. Like <laughs> we are we are like trolling each other hard. So if you if I see yeah. you wearing red glasses, I'm freaking out. Okay. So okay. just let's I should take them off. Let's, take them off. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's set some boundaries. Dang, jeez. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, deal. Uh next question, man. What is your favorite project that you've ever worked on what what comes to mind 
Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, but I think, you know, if I were to look back, one of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on was a campaign that I did with a brand called Manfrotto. Manfrotto is an Italian-based uh, brand in the photography industry. They make tripods and lighting accessories and iPhone accessories, backpacks, all sorts of things. They're, they're a big name within the photo industry. Um, so most photographers out there probably know the name Manfrotto. Um, and uh, so I, I was connected with Manfrotto years, years and years ago, and it um, the relationship flourished in, I think it would have been in 2015 maybe, or 2014, we did uh, a campaign for a new kind of travel consumer focused tripod called the Be Free. And for a week, we toured California in, in its diverse offerings, really. We started in Santa Monica and went to, from there, the Death Valley and then to um, Yosemite. And from Yosemite, we went down the Big Sur Coast. And I think we even fit Joshua Tree in between somewhere there. So we saw a lot of really cool stuff and um, had a full video crew. And essentially the goal was to produce hero images for uh, this campaign for the tripod and then produce a bunch of video content to be used on kind of a custom website as well as social media. And it was just a blast. I mean, um, the crew was really great. Everybody that we were working with was fantastic. Um, I lived in Italy for a couple years, so I have an affection for all things Italian. So that kind of, kind of, um, was the icing on the cake. And, and ultimately really, I guess my, my photographic roots are in landscape photography and I don't really do as much of that anymore as I'd love to. That's kind of like my release, um, if I, if I'm going to shoot something just for me, a lot of the time I'm going to shoot landscape, but this particular campaign, that's essentially what I was doing is shooting landscape imagery with this tripod and, you know, everywhere from the Sierra Nevadas to San Francisco. And like I said, the big surprise, it was, it was unreal. It was really, really cool. And, you know, with, with this podcast, it's all about marketing trust. It's a term that I came up with that Mm -hmm. is basically around, you know, building more trust with the consumer, more trust with partnerships, and kind of curious to hear, you know, you have a really strong background and you've worked with so many brands and, and so many partners. How do you build trust with relationships with the companies and partners that you work with? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, and I actually think it's one that gets overlooked a lot these days. Um, I've always thought that much like any business, the business that I'm in relies on relationships. Um, and I think the one thing that we forget is at the very root of all these brands and all these companies that are people, you know? And so it's really about connecting with people. Um, obviously you have to sell your product and sell yourself and you have to be skilled and you have to fit well with the brand. Um, but being it, it's, it's, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is, in my opinion, it's pretty simple, you know, being affable, being personable, um, being considerate, you know, uh, not just emails, but phone calls, um, not just comments on, you know, their Instagram feed, but maybe a a text message if appropriate, you know, if you have that relationship with them here and there, a personal note, you know, thank you notes, handwritten notes go a long way in this day and age, in my opinion. Um, because it just shows that you take time. 
um, you know, maybe a gift uh, at the end of the year uh, for, for my best clients or for clients that have, you know, been longstanding clients. So I guess it's, it's little things in my opinion, you know, you think about how you've established um, relationships with your children or your, some of your best friends or your family. And that comes with time spent together and an understanding and consideration for, for their plight, I guess. Yeah, I love that. I think it, it is. We are kind of getting back to the roots of not just, you know, 10 or 15 years ago before social media really kind of saturated, you know, how we connect with one another, where it's so easy that we kind of, you know, maybe lose um, the drive and the effort. Yeah. Um, it, it's Social media has been good in the sense of, you know, staying connected with others. But in a way, it's also a, a risk because we tend to automate things or maybe soften our efforts a little bit around that. And so I, I like how you laid that out. I think getting back to basics is something we're going to see a lot more of. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. In, in terms of business and, you know, you're a photographer, you work with a lot of fantastic brands and a lot in the industry, a uh, lot in ski too. You, uh, you know, work with a lot of ski brands, but also produce photography that, you know, really end up on a lot of the covers of some of the main magazines, you know, skiing, powder, pretty much any ski magazine, Adam has, has bagged a cover or two or three or four, probably 20 at this point. Um, what do you, what do you think it takes to really make compelling content? Because what you produce is very upscale, very, you know, the highest of the high, uh, what, what, you know, advice would you give to listeners and brands who are trying to do their best in making compelling content? Well, I think first and foremost, and again, it's something that this generation, the generation of now, the generation of everything being so accessible and immediate um, that we've, again, maybe gotten away from. But first and foremost, it, it takes work. You know? It's hard work, right? Like n- nothing, nothing that was ever worth looking at or listening to um, or you name it really ever ever come came came easy right i mean it it requires foresight and preparation so i think and and some and and some vision and so you know specifically within what i do you know with photography it requires you know getting up as you mentioned getting up super early um staying out well past the sun uh, being uncomfortable you know maybe in extreme weather conditions or hiking further than you wanted to or carrying more things than you wanted to or sending more emails than you wanted to, you know? So, so work really, um, I think is at the very root of creating compelling content. And then I also think having the right tools at your disposal. So I'm not just talking about like what lens are, what lenses and bodies I use, although that, that definitely um, comes into play in creating that. But I think it's surrounding yourself with the right people. And understanding where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, you know, focus on your strengths and then fill in those gaps with um, people that are capable of, of, you know, picking up where maybe you can't can't do what needs to be done. And again, more specifically, what I'm talking about is if I'm going to go do a shoot uh, anymore, I don't, I want it to be styled. Uh, I want it to look I, I want the talent to be wearing, you know, the, the right wardrobe and the right clothing 
and I want it to be the right talent. So it needs to be the right people in front of the lens. It needs to be the right location. It needs to be the right light. All of those things have to come together. Um, you know, if we're shooting in a location that I'm not familiar with, a location scout or having a producer um, is extremely helpful. And so, you know, that's specific to me, but I think you can generalize it to everyone is having the right tools. And if you don't have the right tools, figure out who or what is specialized in that area and can help you. And then couple that with preparation, vision, and then just putting your nose to the grindstone and good old hard work. And, and, and how can you not come away with it? You know, how can you not come away with something compelling? And you've worked with some pretty top brands. I mean, I'm looking here, you've got Panasonic, Volkswagen, Patagonia, Black Diamond Equipment, Mountain Khakis, a lot, you know, rooted in the outdoor, but even some, you know, auto industry, you know, how are these companies measuring success when it comes to their content? You know, that's a good question. And I have thought about that. And I, you know, I'm not entirely sure because I'm not the one uh, behind the desk over there. But my assumption, and let's just say, at least for me, how do I measure success when it comes to, to content for like my channels and whatnot? I think it really comes down to engagement. Um, I think if you're pushing a product, then you could probably measure some of that. Obviously, you could do call to actions and see ultimately if people are buying the product. But I think with as much as we're bombarded with content these days, imagery, music, video, you know, there's so much that it really takes a connection for somebody to take a moment and type something on Instagram, not just like it, but, but actually say something, you know, or, or reach out with a private message with a question about something. Um, so personally, and, and I, there's a number of different ways to measure engagement, but I would think that that should be, you know, one of the top ways in which they're, they're measuring that is, is how much are you engaging your audience? It's no longer just about, likes and how many followers so-and-so has and it's no longer just about um your your buddies and your family telling you great job it's about the collective response in my opinion to what you're putting out there and the reaction from from the public and how engaged they are uh with that i'd say one lever that is really important as well is and i see this a lot in your content a lot of you know people who are creating really good you know visuals and good videos is in the comments, you'll see that they, they have people who are recommending your content to their friends. And they're like, you have to see this. And they tag a friend, you know, and they, they tag yeah. people that they think could benefit from just viewing this or connecting with you or following you. That to me, I think is something that's going to be even more of a measure going forward is, yeah, you can engage your audience, but how do you get them you know, to get so to accelerated to engage theirs yeah. and be like, yeah, and without having to say, hey, tag a friend, tag a friend, you know, For to, sure. to, to win a prize. Because I see that. We see the giveaways and I'm kind of like, yeah, eh, man, it's it's a bit of a gimmick and it's not a long term. But it's short. Yeah, it's short lived. Right. Yeah, and, sure. But I see it in yours. I see people, you know, tagging their friends in the comments like you just have to view this. You have to look at this. And, and that's. I believe is how businesses have got to really, you know, get focused on. Yeah. And I think that comes back to product and content. You know, it's like, what, how good is your product? Is it, is it, 
is it five stars or is it not? You know, because if it's not, you'll, you'll know very quickly. So like first and foremost, that's something that I've always been especially particular about. And again, probably too particular at times, but I've always positioned my brand or I've always wanted my brand to be perceived as, um, buttoned up, you know, I don't want it to be perceived as snooty. I want it to be perceived as professional. Um, but most importantly, I want to, I want people to, I want people to feel like everything that's put out there by me was done with a purpose and on purpose. And I don't necessarily think that's always the best approach because not everybody loves that. But going back to, you know, going back to, to content and, and your product, it's like, if it's that good, people will want, people love being that person that kind of turns their buddies onto something rad, right? Like whether it's recommending a cool hike or, um, you know, going on this super rad ski run that you just went on or, you know, always with food, like a restaurant, a movie, whatever. People love being that person that can be like the fount of all wisdom, right? So that's, that's what we see happening when it's going, when it's, when it's going right. Yeah, I see that in the influencer marketing side too, where brands want to work with influencers and they really, they want to work with recommenders, right? Because by definition, we are all influencers and you don't even have to be active on Instagram to make a recommendation, right? Of, of where I should go uh, get a gourmet hot dog downtown or which by the way, uh, food recommendation, Salt Lake, not sure if you've been down there, but J dogs is yes is a, is a famous favorite. Um, so for those visiting Salt Lake, anyone try J dogs. And I just came up with that. I was like, like, Oh yeah. Gourmet hot dogs, J dogs. Awesome. (laughs) Um, but we're all influencers. Right. And I, and I like that you're highlighting this a little bit because I think even with the news today, uh, clout K L O U T, if we have a little bit remembrance of their little throwback Thursday, um, clout is shutting down. Uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the month and it's you, you can't tie a number to influence you you can't say oh you're a 73 you're you're more yeah. influential and so i i love that you brought that up uh because we do like to be that recommender but it doesn't necessarily mean we have fifty thousand followers on instagram and, and we've, sure. we've hit this you know level of well i'm you know my opinion matters more than you yep exactly for sure. No, I think you're spot on. And a lot of, I think that honeymoon phase of social media is, is long since, um, gone and no longer is it, is it just about followers? It's, it's about the quality of that engagement. And more specifically, it's like, how, what is your access to an audience that is a specific consumer or you know, within a legit demographic for whomever has hired you to do so or whomever you're recommending. It's like, you know, nobody, nobody cares if I'm recommending, you know, like flower bouquets to the dude that just went to, you know, uh, the monster truck showdown. Sorry, don't need to mean to stereotype here, but (laughs) (laughs) no, for sure. it's, It's a case of extremes, you know? And so, yeah, I do think it is about the quality of that engagement for sure and your access to, to those people that matter. So one question I have is what advice would you give companies? So, you know, for those listening, they're business owners, they're marketers, they're working with content creators and photographers. What advice would you give companies that are working with someone such as yourself to create you know, really compelling content? 
Um, yeah, so this is going to sound funny, this first thing that I'm going to say, especially coming from me, <laughs> but, but I'm going to say it because I think it should be said. And my first thing would be pay someone to do it um, because creatives, are they want to produce and they want to produce well. They want to hang their hat on uh, a product that they're proud of. And, and most creatives, uh, at least the ones that have established a career and a brand and are continuing to stay in business, um, they, they feel an obligation as, you know, when, when they've got a legit job to do, there's an obligation to create compelling work. So that would be my first thing is when, and, and speaking personally, um, if I'm, if I have an agreement with a company, if I have a contract in place, if we're doing a commission shoot, like you better believe I'm going to work my butt off for you guys. Um, you're paying me, I'm going to give you your money's worth. Um, and, and that really is the case with most everyone that I've seen in my industry as well is, is, you know, you're not in business long if you don't hold up your end of the bargain. So that would honestly, you don't need to pay an exorbitant amount. Um, but you get what you pay for. I think there's, there's no question across so many industries, but especially, especially within this content creation and the photography industry, you know, everyone's a photographer, right? When people ask me what, what I do, I don't say I'm a photographer. I say, I make my living as a photographer and cause there's a massive difference there um, because everybody's got a camera, you know, it's never been easier to take a pretty good picture. So when pretty good is no longer good enough, hire a professional that can give you exceptional work. So that would be my first thing is pay somebody to do it. Um, second thing would be to be proactive. So much of what we see out there from a lot of these companies is full reactive. You know, it's full reactionary mode. They're stretched very thin with their duties, um, with all their duties at the company that they work for. Obviously, we know this, that, you know, they're, they're juggling so many different hats, but, and so a lot of the time what happens is, Oh, we need this yesterday. Let's just get it done. But have, have a plan. Like, like think about, you know, think about seasons, think about activities, think about, you know, what makes sense for the particular time of year and the audience that you're, um, that you're pushing to, as opposed to just being like, Oh my gosh, we just have to get something out there. That's like the worst thing ever. It's, you're just like, I have to get something out there. Um, I, and a couple other quick suggestions would be, you know, be in touch with your content creators that you have relationships with because they have a lot going on, uh, whether it's in, you know, far flung corners of the globe or whether it's in their backyard, we are always, always, always producing and always. And if we're not producing work, then we're thinking of, ways that we can produce work and how to incorporate um, brands that we want to work with into that work. Um, and so the best thing you can do is to be in touch. You can be in touch with things that you've got in your calendar, with products that you've got upcoming. Cause you know, uh, again, if you keep those lines of communication open, you're going to open up a lot more opportunity um, to, to produce content with, with, you know, these men and women that are, that are always, always doing something. So, and then the last one, would be to find a shooter that fits your brand. Um, again, it's one of those things, and I think it's a result of being in that full reactionary mode, but so much of the time we just see, in my opinion, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of work. It's just, you know, somebody, somebody comes to you, they're willing to do it for, you know, free or cheap, uh, or, you know, a friend of a friend, 
or your cousin's dog's pony's uncle has a camera and they can shoot some stuff for you or whatever. And so much of the time we look at it and we're like, this just doesn't fit. Um, know your brand, you know, know the look and style that you want and find somebody that, that, that can, that can match that or that, that fits very well within that approach and that, that brand messaging that you've got, because otherwise it just, it feels inauthentic. It feels, um, you know, it, it doesn't feel planned. It just feels like you just kind of did it to do it instead of being on the front end of it and realizing that there's an opportunity to create, to create something really great as opposed to just create something. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think you, you hit on a lot of great points there, especially around authenticity. I think, you know, the A word gets thrown around a lot and it's, it's a, yeah. a buzzword and it's like, yeah, be authentic. And unfortunately yeah. it's, it's kind of gotten watered down and I, I've seen this over the years and, and, uh, and the other one that's starting to get watered down too is storytelling. You know, it's like, Oh, yeah. we got to tell a story. What's the story. And, and I, I like that you're hitting on this of you're aligning, you know, beliefs, you're aligning missions, you're aligning purposes. And I think that's going to be a lot more important going forward because you want to work with someone who is aligned with you, not just, uh, what are the logistics, right? Oh, do you, do you have the camera? Uh, is it, is it yeah. cheap? Does it fit our budget? Okay, cool. Can you, can you get there at two o'clock? I, mm-hmm. I like that you really are talking about something, you know, that supersedes authenticity. It supersedes storytelling. It's, uh, does, does this person really encapsulate the, the purpose and mission of, of your company? Yeah. And I think any more too is transparency is paramount, Right. And that requires a little bit more homework on, on both our ends, but you don't want to be associated with somebody that is not aligned with your company's core beliefs, uh, with what you are really preaching to your your consumer base. And, and again, to some, to some brands and to some consumers that doesn't matter, but to most it does. And it matters a lot more than it ever has. And I think it's going to continue um, to, to matter a lot more. So, you know, having, again, like you said, it's not just about having an index finger and a, a, a rad camera, um, find somebody that can, you know, mesh well with your, with your people, um, at your place of work that sees the vision for, for that campaign that you're working on or, or what you're hoping to put out there and, and don't, and, you know, do a little bit of homework. And again, that requires like some, some preparation on the front end. That's awesome. Well, I think you've shared a lot of great things today, a lot of good things that people can you know, sink their ears into and, and put into practice. And as they think about that next round of content creation, really taking a step back, thinking about, you know, how, how do we do this right? How do we really start with the end in mind? And that takes investment. And I, I think you, yeah, you've shared some really great things. Anything else you want to share before we play Name That Handle? Oh man, not really. I just encourage anybody that's listening if they want to check out my work. You know, probably the best place to see it is on Instagram. I'm just Adam Barker Photography on Instagram. I'm updating that daily, and uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, that's great. Well, this is how the game works. This game is called Name That Handle, and what I do is I find someone that you are connected with on social media. I give you one word clues, and you have to guess who I'm talking about. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm nervous. Are you nervous? Okay. I can tell there's a little bit of nervousness in your voice. So what you- happens if I, what happens if I don't get it? Do we even hear this? Like, is this all just, has this been a giant waste of time? 
What happens actually is we rigged up where you're sitting. There's a giant hole that um, you <laughs> fall into and a big bucket of snakes fall on your head. So Perfect. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> all right. One word clues. Here we go. And I'll, I'll start you off with one hint. It is on Instagram. That is. Okay. So. So can I look or should I not be looking? I should just be like firing away. You could fire you can fire away. You don't need to look. Okay. Alright. First word, snow. Snow. Um, am I supposed to ask you like You you can make a guess. You can say, okay, okay. I think I know who you're talking about, or you can say next clue. Uh next clue. Environmentalist. Um Brody Levin. No, but that is that's a good guess. I like Brody. He's a good dude. Okay. Brody, Brody Levin, everyone. If you're not following Brody, yeah. he's uh, he's always on the go. Good guy. Follow that guy. Founder. Your next word is founder. Founder. Environmentalist. Snow. Founder. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm feeling miserably here, but I need the next clue. <clears throat> Race. No, oh, I'm blanking. Um, snow. All right, I got one more for you. How about athlete? I mean, it could be a number of different athletes. Um, and while you're struggling, I just want to let listeners know this is very hard for Adam Barber. He works with so many athletes, and so these clues. I've got it though. You got it. I think I've got it. Me. How about Julian Carr? Hey. Hey you. <laughs> nice work. Uh, make sure Hello, to follow Julian's Julian. Yeah, Julian. Uh, give him a follow. It's Julian Carr on Instagram. His last name is spelled C A R R, and he is. Uh, you guys go way back, don't you? I mean, you, you Cliff Jumper Extraordinary. Yeah, we were actually we were buddies in college, really good buddies. This is before I was in doing photography. This is really before Julian had started his professional ski career. But you know, he he's you, you kind of describe it with a couple of those words. But he jumps off massive, massive. 150-foot cliffs on his skis. He's the founder of Discrete Headwear. He spends a lot of time, and also the, the Cirque series that he started, which is Trail Running Series. He's a very connected man, and he uh, if he doesn't hear this, I'll be very surprised. So what up, Jules? Awesome. Well, yeah, that is awesome. Well, you did very nicely uh, name that handle. Very well done, and I think Jillian will be happy with right on. results. Yes. Well, thank you, Adam, for joining. And again, thank you for listening. Make sure to download and subscribe to the Marketing Trust podcast. It's a mix of interviews and a mix of, you know, some solo episodes that I share how you can infuse more trust with your audience to grow your business. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Marketing Trust podcast, where I help you infuse more trust with your customers to help grow your business. I'm Adam Buchanan, and I want to thank you for listening.